Hello, and welcome back to the Braxton Ranch Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Gidding. Last week on Campfire Stories was Chapter 8, Hitting Hard. This week, Chapter 9, Finding a Name. So let's go get that campfire started, and we'll nestle in for a good story. The Kings of Braxton, Born Unto Trouble. Chapter 9, Finding a Name. 1. The light of the full moon fought with the flickering light bulbs to illuminate the farmhouse, where Sam sat at the kitchen table, cleaning his prized revolver. The smell of gun oil filled the kitchen. On the table were five other handguns, two shotguns, one with most of the barrel sawed off, a Thompson, and a box of ammo. As Sam oiled the barrel of his revolver, he thought of one thing, rescuing Liz. It had been two days, and he feared the worst. He was unsure of the fight ahead, but he had an address and he was ready for whatever laid before him. Neil appeared in the doorway with Carol just behind him. I've told you before, no guns at the table, Carol said with a frown. I saw your bag by the front door, Sam said to her without looking up. I couldn't just run and hide. My place is here with Neil, and with you, she explained. Not really a good idea. I don't care, Sam. I need to be here. What if you two need patching up? What if Neil was to die? Sam retorted sharply. Carol's heart sank for a moment at the thought. You're an ass, Sam. You know that? A real ass. She walked away angrily, shooting a look at Neil as she did. Neil walked over to Sam and took a seat across the table from him. That kind of talk doesn't help, little brother. Sam wiped his revolver clean with an old rag, pulled the lever, and released the cylinder. Then, with a flick of the wrist, he swung the cylinder out and began to load it from a box of bullets next to him. I'm not stupid, Neil. I know why she came back. Yeah, she wants me to quit. For the first time, she doesn't want me doing this. It's getting too personal, and way too close to home. Sam finished loading his revolver, closed the cylinder, and put it in his holster as he stood. You saying things like that don't help any, Neil reiterated. Sam put on his double-shoulder holster and placed a gun in each one. Sam, are you even listening to me? What does she want, huh? Sam snapped. Does she want you to just walk away from it? It's already too late, Neil. We're in this. And it came looking for us. Now, we have to be the ones to stop it. To end this once and for all. We have to be who we are. Who we were raised to be. Who we are destined to be. If she can't handle it, then she can leave town until it's over. Sam put his jacket on and adjusted his fedora, then continued. You can walk away, if that is truly what you want to do. 
But it won't change a damn thing. I have a duty. We have a duty to fight for this town. To protect its people. And to keep it safe for future generations. It is our destiny. And I'm going to see it through. Neil sat silently listening to his brother and watching him gear up for a fight. Sam grabbed the shotguns from the table before he went on. We made a mistake five years ago when we left Braxton to rot. We allowed one man and his lies to push us away. We ran and hid like cowards. And now we have to make up for that. We have to go out there and end this reign of terror. It is up to us. We didn't ask for this fight, but you better believe I'm going to end it, with or without you. Neil looked at the guns still on the table, then at his younger brother. Where are we going? He asked. Mason Street. Get your guns. I'll be in the car waiting. Sam walked to the front door, passing Carol in the foyer. He paused but did not look at her. I am sorry, but there's more at stake than just us. He left without giving Carol a chance to respond. She stood silent for a moment as Neil walked toward the door, fastening his shoulder holsters. Then he paused and turned to her. I'm sorry, he said and kissed Carol on the cheek. Go. Go save the day, she said with a forced smile. Standing in the doorway, she watched the brothers drive off, leaving a cloud of dust behind them. Al was sitting on the porch, not wanting to get involved in the debate. He rose and went to Carol. This has to stop, Al. Neil needs to be around. I can't lose him. Not now, Carol said as she placed her hand on her stomach. Al noticed the slight gesture, but said nothing about it. He'll return to you, kid. Trust that he said in a calm tone. He then took Carol's hand and gently kissed it. Sam is right. This fight found them, and they need to finish it. Carol wrapped her arms around Al and hugged tightly, drying her tears on his chest. Two. Mason Street was a dark dirt road that led to a few small, abandoned houses that had been built many years ago. No electrical lines ran to them, and they had sat vacant since before the brothers were born. The dirt road stopped at the last house on the right, and woods surrounded the street, even beginning to take back the yards. The full moon provided enough light for the brothers to carry out a rescue without worry. They walked quietly along the road, wielding their shotguns. Sam held the shortened one that would be the most effective weapon inside the house with a large blasting area. You got a plan for this little brother? Neil asked quietly. Of course. Go in, shoot some people, don't kill them all, then beat the ones left alive until they tell us where Liz is and where we can find the German. Sam paused for a moment. 
Then we kill him. That sounds great, but how about a real plan? Do you have one of those? Sam didn't want to be bothered with details, but he knew he should probably get a plan together. He sighed loudly and stopped. Neil stopped next to him. I'll go in from the back, and you go in from the front. You know, a plan? Neil said. Sam turned his head and looked at his brother. That works. Just don't shoot me, he replied, then continued to walk. They got to the house and crouched down as Neil looked at his watch. Thirty seconds from now. Neil headed for the back door and Sam headed to the front porch. As quietly as possible, he walked up to the door and looked at his watch as the seconds passed away. When thirty seconds had elapsed, he kicked in the door and shot the first guy he saw. Neil kicked in the back door at the same time and shot a man in the leg as he was trying to go for a gun. A man with long hair wearing a large flannel shirt ran for the side door. Sam, the side door, we got a runner. Neil yelled as he turned and blocked a flying fist from a tall man running at him. Sam ran for the door, shooting a man who raised a gun toward Neil. Then Sam tossed the shotgun and left the house in a hurry. Once outside, he saw the man running for the woods. And though he gave chase, he wasn't gaining ground fast enough. The moon provided plenty of light out in the open, but as they ran into the woods, the moonlight was blocked by the treetops, making the chase more perilous. He managed to keep pace with the runner, but the terrain and lack of light made it difficult to gain on him. Back at the house, Neil had killed two men, but saw at least one other run down a long hallway. He was unfamiliar with the house, so he took his time walking down the dark passageway keeping his gun up. He stepped slowly and lightly as he came to a closed door, where he paused and slowed his breathing, a trick Al had taught him many years ago. Once his breathing calmed, he was able to hear the heavy panting of somebody on the other side of the door. Neil could almost hear the other person's loud heartbeat as he lifted his shotgun and bolted into the doorway. In the split second he had, Neil saw a man about five feet away with a pistol in his hand. Before the man had a chance to fire, Neil squeezed the trigger and shot the man in the chest. The pellets from the shotgun shell spread out and opened his chest, spilling blood and breaking ribs. The man fell to the ground as Neil turned and went back into the hallway, where he noticed a wounded man crawling along the ground at the end of the hall, dragging himself toward the front door. The house was silent with the exception of the crawling man who was moaning. Neil checked the shotgun and realized he was out of shells. So he tossed it on a nearby couch and grabbed the two guns from his shoulder holsters. Then a banging noise came from a room behind them. Swinging around, he walked back down the hall a little further. At the end was a closed door with a sliver of light visible underneath. Neil crept toward the door, making sure to step lightly and control his breathing. He stopped 
and waited for some sort of movement inside. When he heard the banging again, he kicked the door in. He had less than a second in dim light, but that was all he needed. Neil saw one man standing to the right of a small bed, and another man standing to the left. The room was lit only by a single candle on a nightstand, but Neil could also make out a figure sitting in a chair next to the man on the left side. He aimed quickly and fired both guns at once, killing the two standing men. He then turned the guns on the figure in the chair. Having a bit more time to look, he noticed who was in the chair, tied, blindfolded, and gagged. He was shocked. Sam had chased the runner for quite some time, and the runner was out of breath. He stopped and leaned against the tree, listening for his pursuer, but heard nothing. He took a seed on a fallen tree behind him and rested a moment. His heart was beating hard, and he could feel his pulse in his head as he tried to catch his breath. As his breathing slowed more, he again listened for any sounds of Sam. He noticed every sound of the dark forest, the crickets, the leaves rustling as any number of rodents scurried around the forest floor, and even an owl hooting in the distance, but no Sam. He relaxed again, and suddenly Sam grabbed him from behind and pulled him down behind the fallen tree. Sam held tight around the runner's neck as he struggled. Get off! I... I only... The runner struggled to speak. Sam fought hard to keep the pressure on the right spot, and after what seemed like an eternity, the runner stopped struggling and went limp. Once Sam was sure the man was unconscious, he tied the man's hands in front of him and leaned him against the falling tree. I am way too out of shape for this running thing, Sam said to himself as he panted and wheezed. Neil untied the captive and helped the shaking former prisoner down the hall to the sitting room. Just then, Sam hollered from the front porch. You good in there? I'm good, little brother, Neil said as Sam walked through the doorway, guns drawn. Sam froze for just a second when he saw Liz sitting on the couch next to Neil. Her face was bruised and bloodied, clothes dirty and torn, and wrists and ankles were raw from ropes used to tie her up. She was pale and thinner than usual. Neil had wrapped an old blanket around her to help keep her warm, but she still shivered. Sam ran over and knelt in front of her, and Liz wrapped her weak arms around him, crying into Sam's shoulder. He squeezed tightly enough to show her he cared, but gently enough not to hurt her. It's okay, Liz. I'm here. And I will never let anything happen to you again. I promise. Sam said in a gentle, comforting tone. Liz let all her fears and pain out in an ear-piercing scream that caused Neil to hang his head. Sam just let her cry it out for as long as she needed. She felt safe in Sam's arms, but her emotions were out of control, and she couldn't stop weeping. She backed off and tried to smile, but the pain was too much. 
The pain Sam saw in her eyes enraged him. But Liz noticed and grabbed his hands. They stared into each other's eyes for a moment. But Sam's rage was building, and seemingly even Liz couldn't calm him this time. They had hurt her, and to Sam, that was as bad as hurting family. As if his own brother had been the one held hostage. Sam could not control himself any longer. He jumped to his feet and ran outside, where he had tied the runner to the railing at the bottom of the steps. He leaped down the steps, and with the force created by his anger, swung his fist and struck the man in the jaw. There was a loud crack when he made contact, and a tooth flew out of the man's blood-filled mouth. The man fell to his knees and screeched from the pain, but that did not satisfy Sam, who repeatedly hit him as the rage was unleashed. Sam paused for a moment and looked at the bloodied man. But now he did not see the man he had chased through the woods. He saw himself tied to the railing, and it only served to enrage him further. The relentless beating continued as the man tried to cry out, but was stopped by his own blood dripping down his throat. He coughed and gagged, but Sam wouldn't let up, even when his own knuckles began to split. Sam! Neil yelled from the doorway after helping Liz stand. Sam, that's enough! Sam stopped and looked toward the door, where he met Liz's eyes, which held a measure of fear and concern. He looked back at his victim, who he no longer saw as himself, then at his bloodied fists that were still clenched so tightly they were trembling. He didn't like the look in Liz's eyes. It made him feel like a monster, unable to control his bestial rage. The bloodied man opened one eye, the other was swollen shut. He spat out some blood as he emitted an agonizing moan. Neil helped Liz down the steps, and she ran her hand gently along Sam's arm as she passed in a gesture of love and understanding that Sam felt he hadn't earned. At that moment, he felt like a beast undeserving of compassion and mercy. He was tired of the rage, and tired of seeing himself and every bad person he came across. At that moment, Sam began to understand his visions. He saw them as a warning, that if he let things get out of control, he would become the villain, the very thing he tries to stop. As Neil helped Liz to the car, Sam untied his captive. Do you know who we are? Sam asked the man, who looked at him with one eye. It's not my job to know, he muttered, hissing a little because most of his teeth were missing. Sam bent close to the man's battered face. We are the kings, and this is our town. You messed with the wrong people. He whispered harshly in an almost demonic tone of voice. Sam helped the man to his feet 
and dragged him to the car, which wasn't difficult since he was too weak to fight back. Once at the car, he shoved the man in the back seat and tied his hands to his ankles. You move, you die, Neil said as Sam closed the door. Liz was in the front passenger seat, and she looked at Sam, wanting to say something to him, but she couldn't think how to express what she felt, and she was too weak to force the words. She gave him a caring look and a crooked half-smile. Sam placed his hands gently on her shoulder. You'll stay on the farm for a while. It's safe there. Sam turned to Neil and tossed him the keys. Take her back to the farm, if you would. Sam looked at his bloody hands, then turned and walked away. Wait, Sam, Liz started to say. Let him go, Neil said as he started the car. You saw him back there. He needs to cool off. I've learned to just let him be when he gets like that. Neil turned the car around and headed home. That's an awful long way for him to walk in the dark, Liz said with concern. He'll be fine. Don't worry about him. We need to get you somewhere safe and warm. Carol can take a look at your wounds and clean you up. Watching Sam in an uncontrollable rage had scared Liz and made her worry about him. And for herself. Three. Liz sat on the edge of a bed in the middle of a small room, wearing one of Carol's robes that was a bit too big for her. She was fresh from a shower, and Carol was tending to her wounds. You feel better now that you've had some food in a hot shower? Carol asked. I do. Thank you so much. Y'all are so kind. Liz replied in a sweet but very tired voice. Neil knocked on the closed door. Are you decent? He called out. Yes, Liz said with a slight chuckle. Neil opened the door and came in. Feeling better at all? He asked Liz as he walked over to Carol. Yes, thanks. I was telling Carol how sweet y'all are to help me out like this. Well, you'll be safe here. Stay as long as you need. Don't say that. I might just never leave. Liz joked. Neil laughed. I'm sure Sam would be okay with that. Liz smiled at the thought. Carol hit Neil in the arm. Behave yourself. Is he back yet? Liz asked. No. You probably won't see him tonight. He has his own place in the back, and that's where he'll likely go when he returns, Neil explained. You just worry about getting yourself better, hon. You need your rest, Carol said. Carol and Neil left the room and closed the door behind them as Liz tucked herself in for the night. She waited a few minutes to make sure they were gone before she started to cry again. She was sore and scared, and she wanted Sam at her side, not out in the woods somewhere. She tried to force herself to stay awake to wait for him, but her body just gave in and she fell asleep. 
Four. Sam walked out his back door toward the creek. He was sweaty from his trip back home. He'd run most of the way. In a big maple tree next to the creek, he had hung an old army duffel, stuffed full of feed bags and old blankets. The middle section was worn for many years of use. Sam used the bag any time he needed to get out his aggression, and the power in his punches had grown immensely over the years. He could go round for round with Joe Lynch any day of the week. Sam rolled up his sleeves and walked toward the makeshift punching bag. His knuckles were already swollen from his work on the human punching bag earlier, but he still had plenty of aggression to get out. He began slowly, just breaking in the bag for the night. But he quickly began to pound it with all his might. As he punched, he thought of all the pain in his life, losing his father, then his mother's suicide on the same night, all the killings and fights he'd been in, the town turning on him and his brother, the war, Liz's capture and awful treatment, and the way he lost his temper in front of her. His anger boiled as he pounded over and over again. The pain escaped him in the moment, replaced by anger and adrenaline. Sam saw no relief from his rage in sight, and he began to hit harder and faster. After a while, he stopped punching and just stood, staring at the bag. The middle section was smeared with blood that also dripped from his knuckles. But the pain didn't bother him. He welcomed it. It was his way of punishing himself for losing it. After only a few hours of sleep, Liz woke. She looked around for a moment before she stood up and wrapped the blanket around herself as she walked to the window. She could see Sam's house in the distance and stood staring for a moment when she saw Sam walk out onto his front porch and take a seat on the chair near his door. Liz slowly tiptoed down the wooden steps and her bare feet to prevent squeaking and possibility of waking up Neil and Carol. She walked across the field toward Sam, who was smoking a fat cigar. She was hesitant. Sam noticed her from a distance, but didn't acknowledge her right away. Then as she got closer, he spoke without looking up. You shouldn't be out here. You should be resting. He didn't want to be near Liz at that moment. He was still feeling like a monster after his actions earlier. Liz stopped at the edge of the porch and looked at Sam, who was avoiding eye contact. He glanced in her direction after a moment and realized that she was not wearing shoes. You have no shoes on. What are you doing out here? Sam reached for the second chair and pulled it close to him. Please, sit, he said still in a cold tone. Sam felt like he needed to be far away from the people he loved, especially Liz. Having Liz near made him a bit nervous. Yet, at the same time, he wanted to be close to her. She made him feel calm. Liz remained standing. It was obvious that she saw Sam in a new light now, and not a good one. He took a drag from his cigar and exhaled slowly. Liz noticed that his hands were worse now than 
the last time she saw him, but was afraid to mention it, although she was concerned. Carol take good care of you then? Sam asked. Yeah, but I'm afraid she couldn't take the ugly away, Liz said as she hid the cuts and bruises on her face. Nonsense. I'm the one who should be hiding from you. Sam paused. I'm sorry you had to see that earlier. You kind of lost it there, Liz said. Her tone was reproachful, but her face showed concern. She was conflicted, much the same way Sam was conflicted about her being there at that moment. I've become a monster, he said flatly, almost like he was talking about someone else. Someone he didn't know. As he leaned back in his chair, fear and sadness overwhelmed him. You're no monster, Sam. I've always held you and your brother in the highest regards. But something's happened to you since the last time I knew you. You're right, Liz. I have changed. I've noticed you seemed distant the other day at my house. I know I wasn't exactly pleasant toward you, and for good reason. I see the pain in you, but I also see the same guy who first saved me all those years ago. One of you has to win. But which one? Liz said. They used you to hurt me. My past put you in jeopardy. I'm not safe to be around, Sam informed her. That's why I wanted you to leave. Carol emerged out of the shadows, moving towards Sam and Liz. You should be inside resting, Liz, she said in a motherly voice. Liz didn't respond. It was like she didn't even hear her. Sam looked up at Carol, who was by then at the edge of the porch. Thank you for your help. You can repay me by telling me where my husband is. Working. At one o'clock in the morning? The devil doesn't own a watch, Carol. Really? Quoting your uncle isn't going to save you from my wrath. It was worth a shot. Sam said with a small, wry grin. Liz just stood mutely watching the exchange. She couldn't help but fear Sam just a little bit, and she didn't really know how to feel. Sam, on the other hand, was already beginning to calm down in her presence. I have to get Neil before she kills me, Sam addressed Liz as he stood and flicked the ash off his cigar. Big, bad Samuel Jacob King is brought to his knees by one woman, Liz joked hesitantly. Sam turned and tipped his hat. Not only one, he said before turning and walking away. Liz wrapped the blanket tighter again. Does he hide from you and Neil too? She asked. More and more lately, Carol said. The two began walking across the dark field toward the house. This German guy has them both on edge. Neil deals with it better, but Sam tries to hide his emotions, and his demons haunt him constantly because of it. 
Carol continued. I'm, uh, I'm a bit scared of him. But I don't know if I should be, Liz said tentatively. Give him time, Carol began. He just needs to relax and open up. The war really messed with him in ways I couldn't even pretend to imagine. Five. Neil stood in the corner of the room. The man who had tried to flee was tied by the wrist to a beam in the rafters. He was bloody, and his face was swollen. Neil was chewing tobacco and staring at the man when Sam walked in and noticed his victim hanging there. You get anything? Sam asked. Mark. That's all I got from him. His name. Neil spat into a large barrel nearby. Sam puffed on his cigar as he watched the man sway in an almost peaceful rhythm. The man didn't cry or moan or even scream out in pain as he hung there. Sam quietly informed Neil that his wife was looking for him. But Neil wasn't concerned. He merely nodded his head and continued to stare at Mark. Sam walked over to the man and stared into his one open eye. The prisoner flinched at the sight of him. No, not again. Please, I can't. Sam blew the smoke from his cigar in the man's face, causing him to cough. Returning the cigar to his mouth, Sam bit down to hold it tightly before he put his full weight into a punch to Mark's stomach. Mark screamed out in pain. Okay? Okay. I'll talk. Anything you want. Mark pleaded, not wanting another beating. Just keep that guy away from me. Sam turned and left the barn with a grin. He walked up to the porch of the farmhouse where Carol was standing. Is he almost done? Carol asked. He shouldn't be much longer, Sam said as he removed his fedora. You can't stop him yet. I know you want to, and I understand, but I need him. Do you, Sam? Do you really understand? Carol asked bitterly. I can't do this alone, Sam replied, then placed the fedora back on his head and returned to his small house. Carol knew why Sam needed Neil to finish this fight, but she found it hard to come to terms with it. She was afraid that she was going to lose Neil, and that would destroy her. Six. Early the next morning, Sam sat at the kitchen table in the farmhouse, drinking coffee and eating a fresh helping of scrambled eggs. His fedora sat next to him on the table, and a second plate of eggs was nearby. Liz walked in. She was wearing Carol's slightly too big clothes, but she had nothing else to wear and was in no hurry to go back to her house. She hesitated at the door when she realized Sam was alone. After a moment, she took a seat across the table from him. Her hesitation did not escape Sam's notice, and it pained him to his core. The only woman he had ever loved was afraid of him and he couldn't blame her after what she saw the night before. 
he slid the second plate of eggs across to her. Morning, Liz said hesitantly. Sleep well? Sam asked. I did, yes. Looks like the swelling went down quite a bit. You should be back to a hundred percent in no time. Sam could not look at her, and simply kept his eyes on his breakfast. He took a sip from his coffee, then stood to take his plate to the sink. He looked out the window at the farmhands taking care of the land. He knew that he should be out there working the fields with them. He longed for the day he could once again get back to a normal life without having to watch out for the ones he loves. But he knew that day would never come. I am so sorry all of this happened to you, Liz. He turned to her. I give you my word that I will never let it happen again. And I will find the man responsible and kill him. Who are we killing? Neil asked as he walked in. The German. Sam said as he returned to the table. Yeah, we are. Neil concurred. He grabbed Sam's cup of coffee and took a sip. I don't know what you did to that guy, but he sang like a canary. I know who the German is. Neil went to the stove and dished up a plate of eggs for himself, while Sam stared at him, waiting for a name. Neil returned to the table, where he sat next to Liz. Are you going to tell me, or are you going to make me beat it out of you? Sam asked impatiently. Neil shoved a forkful of eggs into his mouth and chewed slowly just to taunt Sam. I hate you, Neil. You're a bastard, Sam groused. So are you, little brother. So are you, Neil replied through a mouthful. Frank Beerman, Neil said as eggs fell from his overstuffed mouth. Sam pounded his fist on the table. Son of a bitch, he yelled. Neil swallowed his food. You were right, little brother. Wait, do you mean Frankie? Son of the drunk, Frankie? Liz asked incredulously. Sam didn't say a word. He just watched Neil chew his food. His brother had a grin he couldn't hide. We ran that little turd out of town with his dad years ago. You were right, little brother. It's about revenge for him. It must be. I thought he died, Liz said. According to the Canary, the word is that his entire unit was wiped out. But he escaped and was assumed dead. He ran like the coward he is and left his unit to be slaughtered. Neil paused to take another few bites. Sam felt the rage build up inside. It roiled, but stayed beneath the surface. He didn't want to give Liz any more cause to be afraid. Neil continued. He joined up with the Germans and turned against the Americans to save his own skin. Coward, Sam muttered. There's a bigger problem, though, Neil began. Frankie is not the man calling the shots. Sam and Liz watched as Neil stuffed his face. 
When's the last time you had a meal, brother? You're eating like a pig, Sam remarked. Liz just watched as Neil tried to stuff more eggs into his mouth. After a moment, Sam turned back to the topic at hand. You just said he's the German. Sam was confused. He is the German, Neil began, again with a full mouth. But he takes his orders from someone else. Nobody knows who. Nobody's ever seen him. He talks to Frankie by phone, rarely in person. Rarely? Sam asked. Carol walked into the kitchen and stood by the sink. The canary saw him once, but from a distance. All he could tell me is that he might have been tall, Neil explained. Does this mean you two are done with this? Carol asked. Neil stood up and walked over to his wife while finishing the mouthful of eggs. Not yet, my love. But soon. Very soon. Don't talk with your mouth full. It's gross. Carol chastised him. One villain revealed, and one supervillain left to be discovered. Sam said as he stood. We have some time. Let's make sure we make the right move from here. No more traps. No more surprises. We took care of him once. We can do it again. Neil chuckled as he put his plate in the sink. He might think we're dead. Or he might already know that we rescued Liz. Either way, we need to take time to plan this out right, Sam said. Thank you very much for joining me this week. I hope you enjoyed Chapter 9, Finding a Name. Join me next week for Chapter 10, Farmers or Heroes. If you like what you're hearing, please share this show with others. Also, if you're interested, you can hop over to Amazon.com and buy The Kings of Braxton, Born Under Trouble. And thank you very much for stopping by. <laughs>